The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. The latest data from the Residential Tenancies Board shows former landlords, up to half of them, might have been persuaded to stay in the market if taxation was lighter and profitability was higher, although another half would have sold anyway. For some insight into this, I'm joined now by a spokesperson for the Irish Property Owners Association, Mary Conway, and by Dr Lorcan Sir, Senior Lecturer at TU Dublin and Housing Policy Analyst. Good morning and welcome to you both. Uh, Mary, first of all, I'll go to you. Uh, this survey the information from the Residential Tenancies Board. Does it ring true to you and your experience? Uh, good morning, Pat. Yes, um, our members um, <clears throat> are leaving because of overregulation and overtaxation. And a lot of our uh, members will be um, self-employed people who don't have a um, a pension provided by their employer. So they bought a property with a view to having something to top up their um, state pension in old age. And we just find from talking to them, a lot of them are just in a posi- not in a position anymore to support the property because of inflation, rent uh, pressure zones stuck at 2%. And ha- now with the interest rates going up, they're having to support the property more and more. And um, with tax um payments being higher than their mortgage in most cases, they just find it's time to get out. Um, They're getting out and they're selling up. Uh, Presumably some of them will have managed to uh, break out of negative equity. Others will have owned a property for a long time and will have enjoyed property inflation and therefore get a decent payday. Yes, in some cases. But um, with um, a tax of... 52%, it's very difficult to make any kind of an income and to even break even at the moment. And we would find that a lot of our older landlords, they are selling up because of um, their family don't want to inherit the property because they're not in a position to pay the taxes on it uh, if they inherit it. So we have asked for an overall look at the tax treatment of landlords. And our members would find it very difficult to accept that they're paying tax of 52% when the institutional landlords who are coming in from outside for the most part aren't paying tax to the Irish jurisdiction. Now, looking at the information from the Residential Tenancies Board, they surveyed 100 landlords. It's not a huge number, but, you know, we often survey a thousand people representing the whole adult population for uh, news on political parties. So given that relatively few people are landlords, maybe 100 is a a reasonable sample. Uh, Two in five, they say, um, tax breaks would have kept them in the market. Um, assert that another one uh, one in five said they would have considered keeping their properties if renting was more profitable and a third would not have sold if there was less regulation um, the tenancy board of course is employed to do all the regulation um, so um, do you know what the point of this whole exercise is or what are they trying to prove and to whom is that for me or for Lorcan I know it's for it's for you. I'll ask the same question to Lorcan in a moment. Um, well, we had done our own survey earlier on last year. We had about nine hundred um, um, respondents to our survey, and we had found that um, the, again the main things were tax and regulation. Um, and we know institutional landlords are an important component of the Irish private rental market. They provide a completely different service to most of our members, um, more at the high end of the market. But um, 
you know, if we could get more expenses uh, in the operation of our business allowed or the tax treatment of, of landlords is very different to other businesses. And we're asked that we would have an equitable playing field mm. to other I mean, uh, other we in this country have never regarded uh, the business of a landlord as being the same as other businesses for maybe historic reasons. And even the word eviction conjures up in the mind of, uh, you, you know, a cottage on the side of the road uh, with the thatch perhaps burning and the few sticks of furniture scattered on the side of the road and the bailiff and his bullies uh, throwing people out on the side of the road. It's that kind of emotional um, image that we all have from our history books that maybe has led to it not being treated as a business. Yes, there is an, a lot of negative narrative around landlords and, you know, speaking to tenants, for the most part, they assume that you don't have a mortgage and that you don't pay tax. So um, I would deal with a lot of overseas students coming in and they're shocked at the level of tax. I mean, they're shocked at the level of rents on one level. Um, but when you explain to them, well, actually, you know, out of the 600 or whatever you're paying me, I'm actually giving the government back 52% and I have a mortgage repayment and I have expenses. So, you know, we need to look at this and we've been asking for this for a very long time. We're not a bit surprised at the um, the RTB figures. Um I don't know actually what date those figures came out. Um, it wasn't in the the article this morning, but I'd say if it was done again in another couple of months with inflation and interest rates going up, I would say there would be even mm. more landlords leaving. I mean, we talked to many different sectors about inflation, you know, talked to the hairdressers yesterday and their energy costs have, have gone up dramatically and so on and so forth. And they want a reduction in VAT. Uh, but normally in any business, if you've got... Uh, your cost inflation running at 9 or 10 percent and uh, your income only running at 2 percent, there's only one way for that business to go, and that's to crash, uh, if yes. that were to persist. Now, this may be just a, an interim period of high inflation and rent control. Maybe that will finish. But um, do you believe that uh, many, many more landlords will get out of the market? Yes, I do. And even from personal experience as an estate agent, um, I have been talking to a lot of landlords in the last week um, and I will be issuing uh, termination notices because they just can't sustain um, it any longer. All right, Mary, look, thank you very much for joining us. Mary Conway is spokesperson for the Irish Property Owners Association. Uh, Dr. Lorcan, sir, listening to that. Lorcan, good morning. Morning, Pat. Um, what do you make of this uh, survey? I mean, the Residential Tenancies Board are honest brokers in this. They just wanted the information. Are you surprised? Uh, not really, Pat. I mean, I think the reason the RTB do this is just to get a handle on the market itself and, you know, people's motivations for, for entering the market and, and leaving the market. So that's good basic research, I suppose. But I'm not surprised. But the thing that goes under the radar, um, Pat, that a lot of people don't kind of realise is the age profile of the landlords. Um, and, and that kind of the age profile of the landlords, our, our landlords, one in six of our landlords most of our landlords are small, you know, they have one or two properties, and about 18% of those are over the age of 65. Uh, and, and if you have more properties, the, actually the proportion of people who are older goes up. So in terms of age, it's no surprise that a lot of landlords are choosing to leave the market, you know, combined with the tax situation, because they've just come to the end of their, their natural life with being a landlord. So the 
the average landlord in Ireland has been a landlord for about yeah. 18, 19 years. They buy it at 41, 42 years of age. They're pushing 60. You know, the kids going to university. The property has no mortgage. It's out of negative equity. You know, and, and, and they sell up to cash in on it, which is perfectly understandable. But looking at the age profile of the landlords, this is just going to continue because the age profile is quite old, if you know what I mean. Only 30% of our small landlords are under the age of 45, for yeah. example. So the new gen- we don't have a young generation of small landlords. And So what happens then is you're left with the large landlords. And I mean, in fairness to Mary, I think she's right about the tax treatment. Like both large landlords, the institutional funds and the small landlords, are providing the same service, just at different scales. But I, I mean, isn't it the, the fact that if you were a company and you were providing this accommodation, uh, you're a limited company, you have all the the normal tax treatment of you. Uh, okay, it might be a different part of the tax code, but you've got the tax treatment, your expenses allowable and so on against um, the company profits. That's the way it works. For these individual landlords who own properties in their personal names, they are treated, it's treated as personal income. They don't care if you've had to borrow uh, to purchase the property. Um, that's an irrelevance as far as the tax treatment is concerned. Yeah, and it's even better than that because you know you're kind of uh, comparing it to a normal limited company, but these large funds are set up as all sorts of, you know, ICAVs and quits and quays, you know, all sorts of 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 kind of convoluted. Um, company structures and at the end of paying close to zero in most cases close to zero tax you know Darrell O'Brien the minister kind of allowed a, a few more expenses that normal landlords can claim that recently but you know it's in, it's in the hundreds of euro and not in the thousands of euro I would like to see personally that the tax for and I, I'm not a cheerleader here to cheerlead for, for, for landlords but I do think it's, it's inequitable that you know the small landlords pay such a large amount and the large landlords close to zero. I would like to see a situation where both of them are paying 22-25% whatever it is. And and that would also allow you in both cases to do things like increasing the security of tenure for tenants. You know, you give a a carrot and stick approach and, you know, landlords really won't be too bothered once they're bringing home more money in their pocket uh, and you get more security of tenure for for their tenants. Yeah. Now, now one of the things that uh, Carl Dieter was talking about this morning in a debate with Paul Murphy is the three F's, you know, the, the fair rent, freedom of sale, and fixity of tenure, which is what uh, the small farmer was fighting for in the 19th century. Mm. Um, If you're taking out a commercial lease, you know, it'll be uh, of a fixed duration. And then, you know, once you reach that time, you can renew and so on and so forth. It could be two years and nine months or whatever it was, or five years or 25 years years or whatever it might be. Um, We don't seem to do that kind of thing here. And I'm wondering if you're going to be a professional landlord, and you've got a good tenant, um, why wouldn't you offer them this fixity of tenure? Or why don't tenants seek it? Or are they not offered it? Because maybe it suits a lot of tenants not to have a long-term lease because they want freedom to move, freedom to downsize, upsize, share, not share. Um, Is there nobody offering that kind of thing? You know, even the institutional landlords in Docklands or whatever, will they offer someone a five-year lease? In general, no, because it, it, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Pat. It, it tends to suit both parties to have that degree of flexibility uh, in the lease. And w- one of the advantages of, of being a renter is that you know, that mobility, that potential to move, maybe follow work or follow, you know, move to a different country or whatever it is. And if you're caught in a fixed-term tenancy, that could prevent that. You could end up paying rent for a property that you don't actually live in. So I think it might suit both parties to have that. But the, the security of tenure thing is a, is a really interesting thing. You know, the officials or, the, or you know, government ministers will tell you that 
effectively in theory a, land, a tenant can stay as long as they want in a property now um, but that, that's, that's in theory but the practice is that landlords still have the right to evict tenants for all sorts of kind of what I would nearly say spurious reasons you know that the property isn't suitable for them or that a family member is this is a big one a family member is coming to use the property and they need it back yeah, now, but What Scotland, about those people yeah. you know you talk about the uh, older landlords some of whom have multiple properties and who've mm-hmm. now decided okay it's time to turn my pension into cash um, what about them I mean surely that would be their right under you know the property rights in the constitution they need to cash in an asset yeah, absolutely. But there are ways around that. Well, in some countries, you can't evict the tenant, so you just sell it like like you would a commercial property. I mean, if I owned Marconi House, where, where you're sitting at the moment, I could sell that building and it wouldn't make any difference to news talk because you just have a different landlord. Yeah. So in some countries like Germany, that happens. But the other way to do that is to make it legally binding to, say, offer the tenant first right of first purchase of the property. Um, so what you want to do is to ensure that the tenant, it doesn't matter if, it's, if the property is sold, what you want to do is ensure that we don't add to the homeless numbers or we don't have somebody kicked out. So there are various mechanisms that could be used to ensure that, that the, the person, the incumbent household gets, you know, the right to first refusal, things like that, um, to, 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 you know, to ensure that we're not actually turfing people out who would find it increasingly difficult then to find mm-hmm. another place uh, to live. Yeah, it's hard to get a handle on what government policy is. I mean, they say they want the mom and pop uh, landlord to still be in the business, that it's an important cohort in the market. But yet the way the real investment trusts are, are, are treated, uh, you know, who come into the market maybe with wads of, of pension money or other investors' money, and they're really saying to the small landlord, if you have to borrow money, to get into this market, we're not going to make it easy for you. You're not going to be uh, allowed to offset the borrowing against the rent. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Pat. I mean, it's, it's housing policy going in forward and reverse gear all at the same time. So a bit of lip service towards the small landlords, we want you there. But on the other hand, like in the budget last year, we saw the Minister for Finance, Patrick Donoghue at the time, you know, he didn't adjust the tax treatment for large landlords. And his, his justification was, well, you know, their shareholders pay tax on their dividends. Uh, so therefore, there's no need to tax them. And, you know, that's like saying that Ryanair shareholders, Ryanair shouldn't be taxed because their shareholders pay tax on the dividends. It didn't make any sense. I don't think they have much grow, much faith, uh, much love for the, the, the small landlords in reality, but they're putting a lot of the eggs in the large institutional fund landlord yeah. basket, if you know what I mean. I know the figures, the CSO figures that came out the other day passed shows that for the first time, the amount of apartments being built in Ireland in 2022 was 29% or 30%, and most of those are for rent. Uh, and that exceeded the number of houses that are going to come to the market for sale, which is going to be around 25 26%. And that's not the way so, we want it to be. We want uh, no. our population to be home-owning, uh, by and large, if we can, rather than renting. We have to pass because our, our welfare system is based on people owning their own homes. That's why we can afford to pay them a modest state pension when they retire and have no mortgage to pay, you know, if they're on a state pension. Um, and the whole system is predicated upon home ownership, and yet we're kind of undermining it at, at every turn with no eye, no eye on a long kind of term strategy or the implications uh, for this. All right. Uh, we've loads of texts coming in. I'll just read one in conclusion. Mark in Dublin 7. Hi, Pat. Sold up recently. Happy to get out. I'm all for tenants' rights, but I've always said they should only have those rights when fully up to date with all payments. We have no way of recouping our heavy losses. And that's a problem. You can get, go to the courts and they might say, well, yeah, that you're owed 10 grand, <laughs> but you can go whistle for it. Because uh, as we've seen recently with another case, 
the High Court in terms of civil matters doesn't seem to have uh, the powers that we all thought they might have had. Dr Lorcan Sir, uh, thank you very much for joining us on the programme. Dr Lorcan Sir is Senior Lecturer at TU Dublin and Housing Policy Analyst. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.